Welcome to the Three Heads Podcast, Answers May Vary. Each week, we listen to your dilemmas and try to come up with workable solutions you can put into place to start improving your teaching life today. I'm Kate Harkins. And I'm Stephanie Handley. And today, we're talking about homework. Or maybe why you don't want to assign homework (laughs) as much as you used to. I think the only people who hate homework more than students are are teachers. teachers. (laughs) Homework is a nightmare. Especially when you're planning. Do you plan as though your students are doing their homework or not doing their homework? How do you pivot when the reverse of your expectations is true? It's really a struggle and it's something that has become a hot button issue over the past few years, especially with the pandemic. It started a few years before that. So just for a little bit of context, when Stephanie and I started teaching together, the principle that we had at the time was of the mind that students should have homework every night. There wasn't a certain amount of time students should be spending, but they were expected to have homework for every class, every night. And then as the years progressed and administrators changed, things started changing. The stance on homework from our school district, I don't think they originally had a stance on assigning it, but they definitely had a stance on not assigning it, especially when the pandemic happened. But even before that, they started to take a position on it. So what we're going to talk about today is how we have gotten away from assigning homework. Now, we're not going to speak in absolutes here. We are not people who never assign homework. We are not people who always assign homework. It was hard to always assign homework when that was the task and it's hard to never assign homework when that is the tasks but it's the intention and our intention is that if students use their time well in class and we structure class so that they can we have to model for them what we want them to do we can't just say oh surprise you should have never had homework all year if you were using your class time correctly and so we front load that and each day We remind them Mm -hmm. and set everything up so that they know if you're using your class time wisely, you shouldn't have homework, that that is the case. Now, we are English teachers, and of course, it's difficult. Believe us, we have tried (laughs) to have students always read in class. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes you have to make some allowances Mm -hmm. for that. So we're going to speak in general here on what we try to do to avoid assigning homework. But first we want to explain where we got this idea from and why we made the shift. The shift was not imposed upon us. It was something we wanted to do and it happened to coincide (laughs) with it being imposed upon us. Yeah. Which rarely happens, but (laughs) a happy accident. So we'll start with just, we started from the place of desperation that I would imagine many teachers find themselves in, especially if you're a teacher who grades the homework or or reads what students are writing, is just this place of desperation of these students are not doing homework. If they are, they're copying it from a neighbor, from a friend, from the kid they sat next to at lunch or in the previous class. And really, it's just poor quality. A lot of times they're 
they're watching TV and listening to music and on YouTube all at the mm-hmm. same time. And so quite frankly, some of their work in class was better than the work they were doing at home. Right. And that, as Kate was talking about earlier, that creates real problems, especially in an English class, because if I'm planning my lessons based on the assumption that they've read the book and no yeah. one has read it, that's a real challenge. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to have a great discussion (laughs) when that is the case. (laughs) No. It also came from a place of our own frustration. I know for me, as the years progressed, I became resentful is the right word, even though it sounds it's not the right word. But I think I was resentful of the amount of time that I was spending on schoolwork outside of the school day. Now, I am one of those teachers who resigned my to the fact that I was going to do work outside of class. Those of you who've mastered the 40-hour week, like congratulations, yeah. <laughs> you should be and are doing podcasts yeah. on it and that's fantastic. <laughs> but I always knew I was going to spend a certain amount of time outside of the classroom working on schoolwork and I was totally fine with that. But when it became the only thing I did mm-hmm. was work, I became really resentful of that and I started to think about how it feels for students to come to school for their whole school day and then to spend half to two thirds that same amount of time working at home on schoolwork. Yeah, I was thinking of that when you were introducing the topic is I think like traditionally, I think everyone just expects there's homework. I feel like at the high school level, the advice you hear more often than not is 30 to 60 minutes per class. The kid has six classes. That's three to six hours Mm -hmm. after they've been at school for six hours. That's well past the traditional work day. And yeah, there is something unfair about Mm -hmm. if you've used your time wisely, but also unhealthy. I think we've accepted for so long that is what you're supposed to do. But we have mental health problems Mm -hmm. like crazy these days as adults, but also teenagers. And it's maybe not good for them to Mm -hmm. not have hobbies, not have family time Mm -hmm. because they are going to school for six hours and then working for an Mm -hmm. additional six hours at home. And some of the kids, especially you get your AP students who are trying to be on multiple teams and Mm -hmm. do well in school, they stay up till three, four in the morning doing Mm -hmm. homework and that's not okay for anyone. And those aren't the procrastinators. Those are kids who've used every hour to get that done. Yeah, to be clear, we're talking about those students, (laughs) not the students who do nothing at school all day and then have to go (laughs) home and recreate the school day to get their work done. That's not quite what we're talking about. We're talking about students who are are making good use of their time Mm -hmm. at school and then still going home and spending so much time outside of the classroom doing work for your class or for all of their classes, really. So the pandemic really furthered our thinking on this. And I don't know about you, but I know for us that the pandemic was a real insight into Mm -hmm. students' home lives for better or for worse. You got to see how there are students who are really supported at Mm -hmm. home and school is prioritized and there are systems in place at home to help students be successful. And then you also got glimpses into those home lives where that's not the case, Mm -hmm. where students don't have a place to work uninterrupted, where students are maybe guilted for spending time working on class assignments Mm -hmm. outside of the school day, or where there's just simply 
due to financial circumstances, there's not a chance for students to work on their schoolwork outside of the school day. I would add to that something we realized was the sheer number of students who are not just babysitting brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. until mom and dad come home from work, Mm -hmm. but they are the family caretaker in Mm -hmm. the afternoon and evening. Mm -hmm. And so they're putting in significant hours not to be lazy or to avoid schoolwork, but like Kate said, they have a job to help pay family bills. They they are not just watching younger siblings, but helping them do school. Mm -hmm. And that's something to really think about. They're just kids. And there's something that seems, it feels almost cruel to be like, well, this is what you're dealing with. But here also, please do six hours of work tonight. And if the world that we don't control outside of school is not allowing them to be kids, Mm -hmm. then we as their teachers need to be understanding of that and Mm -hmm. say, okay, how can I help so that I can support this Mm -hmm. student so that they don't fall behind their peers who are not facing these obstacles? And I think that on the one hand, we noticed student work was better when they were doing that work Mm -hmm. during class time with us. And so that was another encouragement that like, okay, this is a good direction to move in. And I totally forgot what the other thing was. So we'll (laughs) go ahead and skip that for now and I might come back to it. I think also it's a chance to check in with students and make those connections in terms of everybody is here and for the most part everybody's doing their own work. If that's not the case. It's a rare exception rather than the rule. And so you really get to see what students know and are able to do because they're doing it right in front of you. And who doesn't understand? Who needs extra support? Who is struggling with reading or who is struggling with writing? Because you're seeing them do it in front of you as opposed to, I know I've, I'm sure we've all, but I definitely have sat in parent conferences and said, I don't know if your child is struggling with the work because he or she isn't doing it. So I don't know what the problem is. And that, although obviously there are going to be kids who, it doesn't matter where you sit them, they aren't going to do work, but you have that to a lesser degree. Mm -hmm. You can see it because they're doing it in front of you. I remembered what I was going to say. So Kate was (laughs) um, mentioning that idea of how can we as teachers provide the opportunity for them to be kids. And I think a lot of that, we've talked about this in a couple of our other podcast episodes. We've also realized just as English teachers that we go into this profession thinking this is about books and it's about students getting exposed to all the stories. And in a literature class, yes. In an ideal world, yes. (laughs) But we've realized that really to master the skills that are expected of them, a lot of that can be done with shorter texts. And so I think there's that kind kind of letting go of tradition, not only Mm -hmm. in, you know, the you have to assign homework tradition, but also that English has to be about big books. Um, I was tutoring a student who was reading Great Expectations and he was in seventh grade and it was a real struggle for both of us. (laughs) And I think that really he could have mastered a lot of the same skills Mm -hmm. with a much more accessible text. (laughs) And I often hear people talk about how students need to learn time management and especially in high school, students need to learn that they need to be accountable for themselves and things like that. Yes, that is true. But I think also 
we're bringing sort of what is quite frankly the unhealthy teacher expectations where we're expected to work several hours outside of the school day and never complain. But I don't think that the majority of professions are like that. Mm -hmm. The majority of professions, do you occasionally have to do work outside of your workday? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that should be an expectation, but it's not a day in, day out type of thing. Yeah. And I think we we found going along with this because really what this ends up looking at, looking like is like a workshop style Mm -hmm. of teaching where students are working in class and we have a YouTube video with some like specific strategies of how we have done that. But we we realized during that time, it's funny because we we figured this piece of it out before we figured out the no homework thing. But we started doing weekly or monthly or grading period assignment Mm -hmm. calendars. And and this initially started with our AP classes as a way Mm -hmm. to assist those students who had multiple sports and extracurriculars and trying to juggle classes. And so we got in the habit of giving them like, this will be your homework for the next six weeks, similar to in college when you get Mm -hmm. a syllabus. Mm -hmm. And more or less, we were able to stick to that. It was very rare that we added to that. And students came to, it was hard for some of them, but they (laughs) came to appreciate being able to learn to manage their time differently to know, oh, okay, by this date, I need to have this done, but Mm -hmm. I know I have basketball that night, so I'm going to do it early or plan this much time, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And so then during the pandemic, as we shifted to this no homework thing, we also shifted to using an LMS. And so we were able to set up more of a weekly assignment calendar. Mm -hmm. And that made it also a lot easier to do this workshop style of teaching Mm -hmm. because students could work ahead if they finished early. They could let something roll into another day if they needed Mm -hmm. to. The expectations were very clear for parents if they Mm -hmm. wanted to know. And that was a piece that we had already worked out that really enabled us to kind of make it easier to adjust to this new style of teaching for us. Yeah. I think lots of teachers are like, oh my gosh, I have to have the whole week planned out. But, and yes, it is over overwhelming at the very beginning. Yeah. But once you get familiar with it and you have a couple weeks under your belt, it really becomes much more natural. Mm-hmm. And it's so nice. Think about how you feel yourself when you know what the expectations for the week are for yeah. you. It's okay. I can work within those parameters. And the same thing is true for the students. And also you eliminate that excuse that often comes from students of, I didn't know, I didn't see, oh, I had other work to do. Okay, yeah, sometimes we have to make hard decisions in life, but you did know (laughs) that this was going to be the work for the entire week. And we talked about it in class and that sort of thing. So that's that scaffolding of responsibility as opposed to like a full, you're responsible 100% for yourself. And it lets them learn if they're later in their school day, if they finish their work early in science, they don't have to sit there and watch YouTube videos. They can start on their work for Friday or Mm -hmm. something like that for our class. And honestly, that's a lot more preparation for what adult life is like than homework is that that sense of, okay, here's what I have to have done by the end of the week. Where can I fit that in? Okay, I have a free hour here. Which thing on my list can I get done? Mm -hmm. And the students who figured that out were really successful. And it it was kind of neat to see, quite frankly, some maturity in that came from 
from starting to learn to manage that. Yeah, it can be empowering for yeah. students. Absolutely. And I think a lot of them, once they get used to it, really come to appreciate it and yes. like they like knowing what to expect. They like being able to have some measure of control over mm-hmm. what they get done when. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is not an approach that is without its challenges. <laughs> Everything in teaching has its challenges that come along with it, but there can be some challenges. Yes. And I think one of the biggest ones is it's new and people don't like (laughs) things that are new Mm -hmm. and that are unfamiliar, whether that's students, parents, Mm -hmm. um, administrators, counselors. I think that was the biggest thing for us was was this. It's not what's expected. It's not what people are used to. And so trying to explain that and and trying to explain what is essentially a flipped classroom Mm -hmm. approach Mm -hmm. um, was we realized in retrospect, probably we should have been more anticipating that confusion and explaining that, especially once we got back in person, because I think this is an approach that has been around for years. Right. We definitely didn't invent it. It came (laughs) to be so associated with like asynchronous learning during the pandemic that a a lot of our biggest struggle, I think, was students and parents and administrators thinking that we were just not going back to in-person learning. And so it was hard to navigate those conversations Mm -hmm. sometimes. Mm -hmm. For sure. We definitely needed an FAQ. Yes. (laughs) And you also get students who, if once they learn the system, it's great. But like when we were in person, there was a reluctance to ask questions that we Mm -hmm. didn't see so much during the pandemic. Because really the goal is that students are working during class while I'm there to help and answer questions. Mm -hmm. But if they don't have questions, well, I got plenty of work to do that I'd be happy to do. And so I think for some students, there was that real struggle to take the initiative and to say, I need help, please help me. Yes, it is helpful if you as the teacher, especially at the beginning, check in frequently. How are you doing? Do you have any questions? And the more that they see their peers asking Mm -hmm. questions, the more likely they are to ask questions. I think that's true in any classroom setting. It does take a time for adjustment and learning the style of the teacher, but it's definitely something that is doable. Yeah. And I think in the long run, it's a really valuable approach that enables you to really do those things they tell you you're supposed to do as a teacher. They Mm -hmm. tell you you're supposed to differentiate learning. Mm -hmm. You go into it because you want to provide one-on-one support to students. You want to engage with them. You want to know them as humans. And this really gave us an opportunity to interact with students, to differentiate our instruction and provide support to those who need it in a way that we always felt like we were supposed to be doing, but couldn't necessarily (laughs) do in a more traditional classroom setting. So if after listening to this, you're thinking, interesting, where can I learn more about this? We, as Stephanie mentioned, have a YouTube video that talks about some practical strategies that you can use to implement this in your classroom. And I know this probably feels odd. Why are you publishing this in May when (laughs) I'm not going to start a no homework policy now? (laughs) I'm already on it. But we've found that sometimes when you plant the seeds for these things in spring, then you think about them over the summer Mm -hmm. and then you're ready to implement them or implement them with some some changes (laughs) in your own way. way. So that's the, the rationale behind this. If you have any questions, we would love to chat about this with you more. You are certainly welcome to hit us up on social media 
media, watch that video on YouTube and add your own comments in the comment section. I think everybody has something to say and hopefully we gave you something to think about. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope that something we said resonated with you. You have something that you can put to work in your classroom. Like I said, probably not for the end of this school year, (laughs) but something that you can think about over the summer and plan for next year. If you are interested in seeing Again, practical strategies, how we implement this, then we encourage you to check out that video on YouTube. If you have a dilemma you'd like to talk to us about or you'd like to hear us talk about, email us at hello at threeheads.works. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll chat soon. Bye. Bye.